DJ and PK brought to you in part by Mark Miller Subaru. PK, we've been saying it for a while now, but it's never more true now with Donovan Mitchell. Everyone is part of the media. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Donovan Mitchell really putting himself out there on his Instagram. He's got a thing that he's doing a roundtable, the Remaking America. And it's with him and uh, Senator Harris, who's obviously running for vice president, and uh, McCollum of the Blazers. C.J. McCollum and, and Tobias Harris. Yeah. Woulda, coulda, shoulda been a jazz man, but he ended up a Philadelphia 76er when he left the Clippers. Right. And uh, so there's a couple things. He put out, Mitchell put out a little thing on Instagram where he talks about doing it. And I listened to it last night. It's about seven minutes or so. And he talks about, we've heard about it, about him growing up in Greenwich, Connecticut, and then going into the city on the weekends. And Greenwich is a suburb of New York. Uh, Greenwich, I think, is uh, recognized as the most expensive uh, place, richest place in Connecticut, which that area just uh, across the way from New York City in Connecticut is high, high money. Fairfield County, it's usually one of the top ten richest counties, most affluent counties in the country. So it's really, really big-time money. And that's where he grew up, and he went to private school. And then he goes and he plays basketball in the city on the weekends, and he's living these two different lives here. But he talks about, uh, in this thing I listened to last night, He's talking about how, you know, how we really want change. And it's not just at the, at the federal level. It's at the local level that we have to get involved. And he's really pushing education. And I think that, in my opinion, for what it's worth, and I don't have any answers to any of this stuff, but I think that that's the key to make your life better. Unless you, you know, you got family money and whatnot, good on you on that. But the rest of us, uh, for me to get where I'm at, came well, through education there's all kinds of studies of on what the and there's always outliers you know you could come up with one story where somebody overachieves or underachieves whatever the statistical average is but there's all kinds of numbers out there what you make if you don't finish high school versus yeah. what you make if you do what you make if you get a uh, two-year degree versus what you make if you don't four-year degree graduate school degree all that kind of stuff and uh and obviously you can set yourself up with advantages. You were talking to David Shaw, the Stanford football coach, about it because he found the number, this is what you make with a Stanford four-year degree. This is what you make with a four-year degree anywhere else. All those numbers are out there. So the trends in education and how they pay off, you can overachieve or underachieve the average. But still, the averages, you know, you'll do a double take looking at the numbers. Yes, and for me, man, I've way overachieved in, in other areas of my life. Unfortunately, I've massively underachieved, but in some areas I've overachieved, and I think it's through the education. And I know Mitchell has taken some grief here for being as political as he is, and the stuff that he talks about education, man, I can't pat him enough on the back at 24 years of age to be able to understand a bigger picture, to how to get, uh, I'm going to use a phrase, I don't know if it's appropriate, but his people, to improve his people. I'd like to think we're all people, but I think you know where I'm going. And that's that's going to help you. Now, I will say, if you look at the comments, he's got some of them posted, there's thousands of comments, and a lot of it is, well, yeah, I, I am going to vote, and I'm going to vote for Trump, blah, blah, blah. What I don't want to hear from Donovan Mitchell is that he's offended by this stuff. Because if you're going to put yourself out there politically, you better expect some backlash. And don't act like, oh, how dare they say that? You know, as long as they're not using 
the N word and they're not being, you know, just way over the top and being just so offensive. But I'm talking about if I see something that says, well, yeah, I am going to vote. I'm going to vote for this guy, not your guy, not your people. I'm going to vote for my people. I don't think that, and I don't think he will, but I don't want to hear about even about being offended. And also, too, there's freaks out there in social media that can get away with it anonymously. So you almost have to expect that. And I think to a degree, you have to blow off that crap. Well, there are freaks. Uh, there are, first off, there are bots. You know, everything you get isn't real. Especially, you know, the average person may not be targeted by bots, but um, there are big corporate accounts, corporate media accounts that will be, and I think celebrity accounts will be as well. Um, so there's that. And yes, there are freaks, but I, freaks kind of uh, says, you know, that it's uh, fringe and it might not be all that fringe. I don't have a good feel for that, but I do wonder how much, you know, people don't, people, there may be more people walking around thinking it than we think, but they don't feel free to cut loose. And then they get on social media and they do feel free to cut loose. Yeah, I think they're fringe, but I don't know that. But I'm looking at one, uh, you know, where he's got uh, the podcast where he's talking about doing an interview in Senator Harris. He says, she don't care about you. You're just a political crutch. Now, he can't be offended by that. Yeah. So the thing I would say that he can't be offended about is that once you become part of the media, and, you know, with social media, you are part of the media already. But certainly when you start hosting roundtable discussions, that's like another tier. That's another level. And you always, you always say this, and I've wanted to bring this up. This is probably as good a point as any. You know, people don't like to be lectured, right? And so when you hear people in the media lecturing people, because it's, it's one-way communication. You're being told slash ordered what to do, and you can't respond with, well, I don't want to do it because of this, or I agree with this part, but I don't like this part. It's just one way, so you've got to absorb it. And there's a reason that um, when they do these surveys, uh, you know, lawyers— uh, politicians, media members, who else scores really poorly? What's another sector I'm leaving out? You know, but in, in those cases, those are all... Weekend sports anchors. Yeah, that's part of the media. Um, those are all people who throw stuff out there in these one-way conversations that even if you don't mean it to be lecturing, it's still a one-way conversation. That's how it comes off. If you say the wrong thing on a weekend sportscast about the Utes, the Cougars, the Aggies, you know, people will be fuming about it. But once you're part of the media, that's just the way it is. I mean, how else is it going to work? You're supposed to be appealing to this mass audience, and when you have a mass audience, you can't have a bunch of one-on-one conversations. There isn't going to be a lot of feedback. We can do some things, and you and I do them, and maybe it tempers it a little bit, but there's still people who think that we're lecturing them and they don't like what we have to say, and they're in our social media every morning. They're in it this morning. couple of geniuses. (laughs) I only lecture on sports. Not real yeah, but that, matters. but that, right, I get it, but that still irritates people. And I get not to the level, if you started lecturing people on politics, on social issues, how do you live your life, then there'd be even more people who are mad. That's real life. Yeah, I get it. I don't lecture anybody in real life because I don't, I can't even control my own life, let alone my house isn't in order, so I have no business talking about other people and what they should be doing or not doing. And I'm the last guy, and I know that full well. Sports, I'll lecture you. If you don't think BYU is a good team, you're a blithering idiot. <laughs> there. I said it. There. But that doesn't matter. Who cares? 
Oh, people care. <laughs> yeah, they spend but, a lot of time and a lot of but money. But it's fun. It's fun stuff. We care. I get we care, but it's still fun. You think that Cowboy was fan was having fun there? His girlfriend was trying to cheer him up. He looked like he was crying. He didn't look like he was having fun. I, sports is fun. But, but part, of, part of sports is losing. That's why I've never really gotten into that. And it's, e- it's easier for me to say because I don't suffer losses because I don't have euphoria on wins either. Uh, but to me, it's all fun. I'll lecture on that. But this stuff here, and I also would like to see Mitchell open himself up to questioning because, you know, he goes, he's talking about obviously he's a Democrat and he's going to vote for the Democratic people. Fine. But you make these statements and there's n- never any follow-up. Well, why do you think that? What makes you think you're right? And the other guy's wrong. There's never any give and take. They're able, they're able to make those statements, mm-hmm. but they're not under any questioning. Yeah. That's not, that's not a bad spot. You can just state what you want, and then you never have to face any personal give and take, uh, I don't want to say blowback, but just better understanding. But I really do appreciate his thoughts on education because, from my perspective, that's what got me out. I mean, I, where else would I have been if I hadn't gone? I'm not sure I would be anywhere. I'm not sure I'm anywhere now, but uh, <laughs> nevertheless, uh, I, 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 as someone you're, you're who's... on you're on the radio, living indoors, playing golf with the Masters champion, you're somewhere. Mm, well, <laughs> Yacht just went palms up, like okay, that's fair. Not not <laughs> in things that really matter, but uh, I've been into these areas. I've worked in these areas. My wife worked in these areas. And if you want change in those areas, man, it seems like education is the way to go. And I, I have enormous respect for a 24-year-old man speaking that. I mean, this guy has, at, at, whether you necessarily agree with him all the time or not, that, that's not really where I'm at. But some of the wisdom that he puts out there as far as what needs to be done to improve your life. Yeah, having a, 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 an affluent white person put a sign in their yard, that's great. More power to you. But how is that going to affect your life when you're not up high on the hill? You're down in the valley, so to speak. And I'm just using these as metaphors. I'm not referring to any specifics high on a hill versus whatever. I'm just using it as a, as a metaphor. But you're down in the valley. How are you going to improve your life? What can you do to make your life better? And that's where Donna Mitchell's coming in and talking about education. And I think, man, I just think that's really important. It'll be interesting to see if he, uh, as he talks about it, how much he links up with people who are already working on it and how much he tries to launch his own thing. I think launching your own thing is exhausting. I know David Robinson, you know, built his own school and people advised him not to. And LeBron James has gone and built his old, own school. Man, starting from the ground up, that, that is a lot of work. And there's a lot of people already doing it, um, you know, and, and doing it in every county along the Wasatch. Well, every county across the country. But yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. in Donovan's case, every county in the Wasatch Front. And, you know, he went out and did a, um, and I think they distributed, I think he and his mom distributed, I want to say like 300 or 500 backpacks. I could be off on the number. But, you know, a not insignificant number of backpacks. Uh, but there are people in every school district who have to distribute thousands, you know, linking up his social media account with some of those people. I and mean, one of the guys works like two miles from the... Uh, jazz practice facility and distributed 12,000 backpacks, you know, you know, partnering with those people. But when you're an NBA player, you're a celebrity. And this isn't just a Donovan thing. This isn't just a Utah jazz thing. This is a beyond the NBA. It's a pro sports thing. 
You know, Jaron Collins signed in a contract once, and he was asked about, uh, you know, you're here, you're here in Utah with your friends. He says, I don't really have friends. I don't live that kind of life. It's hard as an NBA player. And he wasn't complaining. He wasn't whining. He was just kind of setting the record straight on, like, this is how it is, you know? And I think that one thing for these sports celebrities, whether it's Donovan or, you know, it's a quarterback somewhere in the NFL or... I don't know, somebody in baseball, wherever, you know, how do you step out of your celebrity life where you were really in a cocoon for good reason? You know, you can, Jordan couldn't go to the movies, right? Because he just gets swarmed. But how do you leverage your fame and the work people are already doing to make the maximum impact? You want to make this maximum impact. I don't think you make the maximum impact working by yourself. Now, that doesn't mean that LeBron and David Robinson haven't had an awesome impact with a school, but it's one school and we're talking about hundreds of thousands, if not millions of kids, you know? And so how do you leverage it? And, you know, how do you partner with these people if backpacks are your thing? And I just, that that went public, so I know that about Donovan, you know? But if if that's your thing, like Donovan, I'll bet you could do 100,000 here. And if you do 100000 in Utah working with these people and leveraging your social media, and then you turn around and challenge, um, who was it? There was someone in L.A. who did the same thing. It was, um, oh, it was Kawhi Leonard. And I think he raised 18000 You know, Pretty soon, you, you got a quarter of a million. You got a million backpacks for kids across the country if that's your thing. Um, but it's a tricky thing because there's celebrity. If you, if you haven't had it, I mean, it, it's overwhelming, you know? So how does he... You can't really step all the way out of your celebrity, but you need to step partway out of your celebrity. Um, and the roundtable is interesting, but you're not, you're not stepping out of your celebrity and getting out there with the people who are doing the grind every single day. You know, the, the people who have taken on a, a $50,000, $40,000, $60,000 job, whatever it is, and just do the grind every day and think it's really important. You know? Uh-huh. So... I don't, I don't know that I have all the answers for that, but I think that somewhere out there, there's, an, there's some athletes who can figure that out. Sure, yeah. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Dennis Dodd, National College Football Writer for CBSSports.com, is coming up next. Nothing else matters, fellas! Every day we go to work! Football is back, and the Zone Sports Network has you covered as the Cougars continue to bulldoze through their schedule and the Utes and Aggies get set for the start of their season. You gotta go faster, faster! Nobody will bring you better coverage of your team than the Zone Sports Network. This is your home of the best college football coverage in Utah. Turn me up all day! 97.5-1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Who wants to talk some college football, PK? I do, I do, I do, I do, I do, I do, I do. So last night we're watching the uh, NFL game, and I'm telling my wife about how the Pac-12, I was really focused on my phone at halftime, and she says, what you doing? And I, and I lie down on the couch, so she says, you taking a nap? I said, no, I just needed to get uh, parallel to the ground because I'm reading this stuff that the Pac-12 sent out on the tiebreakers and the cancellations and postponements of games. And I said, I got about a third into it, and I thought, this is just making my eyeballs spin. <laughs> I can't pay attention to this. She says, well, you're going to get up on it? I said, no. I said, thank goodness I got DJ because he'll handle it. Bad news. I saw that, <laughs> and I looked at it, and I thought, I don't want to read this. I'll read this if it looks like the Utes are going to get stuck in a tiebreaker. And otherwise, I'm going to let someone else explain it to me because I'm with you. It just looked like gobbledygook. It's oh like why gosh, I didn't go yeah. to law school. This stuff makes my head spin. I'm going to get a headache. 
So instead, I read the Old Testament. I was because <laughs> that's really straightforward. Yeah, I just just started reviewing Isaiah again. I came out with a lot of stuff, man. You folks are onto something. I'll tell you that much. We'll just leave it at that. Yach looks pretty frustrated right now. <laughs> Why? It's a compliment. I'm not. He might be having more problems getting hold of Dennis Dodd. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh no! You talk to him and he needs a minute. That's a good response. I'm totally good with that. That's much better than it went straight to voicemail. I don't know, DJ, which I've heard that before. Well, yeah, I got a minute. No, we got a minute. If he needs a minute, we're good. Yeah. If we're getting him in a minute, we're good. In a New York minute. Yeah, worry about the tiebreakers if it looks like you're going to have to worry about the tiebreakers, which the only way in this season that that seems like it's going to be a problem is if USC and Arizona State and Utah each split their head-to-head games and sweep everything else, and then they're all sitting there at 5-1. and one. Otherwise, I think this sorts itself out. I didn't want to read that. So. Well, great. I mean, but, but there's also a bunch of uh, clauses as far as if they don't play the this, this six games. That, that, that's that, the issue. Right, and if we start seeing games not played, which realistically, I mean, we're seeing a high school football playoff game. It's too bad for the kids of Fremont. They don't get to play their playoff game. they got to forfeit because um, they've added yeah. some positive tests there. So, And we've seen that. What did we see? Three teams that were in the top ten had their games canceled last week. Oh, yeah, so it's so, a legitimate concern. Yeah. So how do you if one team's four and zero and then the other team's uh, five and one or I don't know you know, know. we'll sort it all out. Figure it out for me. And get back to me. Well, if it's a problem, if we get there, you know, okay. it, well then figure it out and get. If back the Utes go four and two, we're not going to worry about it. Oh uh, yeah, but I so it will still be interesting. But I get your point. <laughs> if it was that interesting, you would have read it last night. Well, I'm going to wait because <laughs> we both got happens. bored with the Cowboys game. You know when the Arizona threw that long touchdown pass to make it 21 nothing after Ezekiel Elliott fumbled twice. Yeah. They're like the Cowboys aren't winning this game. Their defense is terrible, and now they give they they spot them a 21 point lead. They're not winning this. <laughs> this is over. Christian Kirk caught that pass. He for did. The ADR touchdown pass. He Christian Kirk, Kirk, who played at Texas A&M. No big deal that he played his high school ball in Phoenix. No! Another Arizona kid who took off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> million of them, unfortunately. <laughs> All the ones who could have made a difference at ASU. At least he came home. He gets, he gets to come home, but not the homecoming I was hoping for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, there's that. Well, and speaking of homecomings, Kyler Murray now 7-0 and at AT&T Stadium, 5-0 and in high school, 1-0 and in college, and 1-0 and in the NFL. Five high school games there. They play semis there? How do you get five? Maybe he played some uh, early season. Well, he went 42-0 some, and zero in high school. So maybe they had some high school showcase thing early in the season, too. Because I would think, like, a, you know, the, the state final, state championship would be there. But five. And you get five. But they, you know, they're they're looking for dates. They got to pay off a billion dollar stadium, so there's probably some, some high school triple header showcase there early in the year or something like that. Yeah. DJ and PK, it's ninety seven five and twelve eighty the zone. We are joined now by Dennis Dodd. He's a national college football writer for CBSSports.com. He joins us on the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Dennis, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys? We're doing all right. We've got many questions out here, and we're curious yeah. what you think. And the first one, obviously, is BYU is 5-0, and but given the fact that they had to completely redo their schedule and they're not playing any Power Fives, 
how do you figure out how good they are and where they belong in the bigger college football picture? How do you do that, Dennis? I think, yeah, I think it's tough just because they, they aren't going to play a power five. Um, I think they deserve, Tom Homo deserves a lot of credit for getting that schedule together, obviously. Um, but, you know, when it, when it comes down to it, they're going to be compared to, you know, an American champion, whoever that is right now. Um, you know, SMU's 5-0 and uh, in, in, in the same situation where they may not play a power five as well. But it's it's just going to be tough. I think the takeaway for now should just be that you know the BYU is playing this well. I think this is a great maybe bridge season to greater things next year. Um, and Zach Wilson obviously is a Heisman candidate. Being a BYU quarterback gives you a leg up any time. So I know the next question is will he be considered? Absolutely, he'll be considered. So BYU has gotten this incredible run this year, and they played well, and they deserved it, and all this stuff. I'm wondering, as far as what you, if Tom Homo were to call you, and they value uh, national media guys' opinions, and you're, you know, I mean, you're one of the stalwart guys out there. Everybody knows who you are, and so he says, "What do you think we should do as far as our scheduling philosophy? Because they've been going like next year, they got seven Power Five teams, and then they've got uh, I think South Florida, Boise, and then they always play Utah State. So that's a pretty good schedule. And in the past, they come out of September with one, maybe two, or three losses, mm-hmm. and then the bowl game that they've already contracted with ESPN. It's just a matter if you get six wins and you play in it. So now here they're five and zero. Oh, they've taken on a little bit of the Boise schedule. You know, don't because of their conference, they're not killing themselves in conference and maybe play one or two big games, and then you have an opportunity for a New Year's Day 6, which I think is probably the most realistic situation for BYU. So what would you be your counsel if Tom would do it? He probably won't, obviously. As, but as far as the BYU scheduling philosophy? No, that's the first thing. Tom Homo's not calling me. Tom, <laughs> Tom Homo's in another pay grade. He, and I love Tom. I've known him for years. Um, you know, I, I go back to a couple of philosophies. Those that of Bobby Bowden in the 70s at Florida State, and Bill McCartney when he started at CU at Colorado in the in 84, I want to say, um, any place, anywhere, anytime. Now, the downside of that is, yeah, you may not get to a bowl. The upside is you can't get to where you want to be until you play these teams and then beat them and, and know what the standard is to beat them. So, I mean, you know, the downside of the the, uh, the schedule now, we just talked about that. You know, it, it's COVID. I know it's not intentional, but it, it is what it is. And that's going to, you know, downgrade BYU's consideration for New Year's Six. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, maybe they're the last, uh, last team standing in that respect. But uh, you've, got, you've got to try to play those teams. And, you know, being an independent is different. But I again, I would go back to what Bobby Bowden did. Is uh, I I had to research some stuff for him when he was when he had COVID, and it looked like you know things weren't looking very good. And I was reminded what they did in 1981. They played, and I'm not saying BYU should do this. It's not on the tip of my tongue. They played at Notre Dame, at Pittsburgh, at Ohio State. There were two more I can't remember that would boggle your mind, and they went six and five. Now, considering what they did after that, I don't think that's a bad result. I mean, I, I think that turned the program to like, hey, we can play with these teams and beat them. 
do you want to play those five on the road every year? Absolutely not. Maybe not in any given year. But I think it's something to think about. I just don't know what the right balance is. I, I, I can't tell you that. Dennis Dodd joining us, National College football writer for CBSSports.com. Uh, obviously, they have the wins over Houston and Navy. Houston's coming off a 4-8 and eight season. Is that a really good win? Is Houston going to end up being uh, top third of the American Conference this year, or was that just another team that has a name and has had a good decade but is having a bad year and a half? Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure about Houston yet um, under Dana Hoverson. You know, he ran off Derek King where if they had if they just had him, they'd be in the conversation. I mean, I think we all know how good he is. And Clayton Toon is, is a fine quarterback, but he's not Derek King. Um, and he's making a difference, uh, King, at, at, at Miami. So I, I, you know, I really question what he did last year, trying to stockpile players and, and you know, after they started one and three, it sent a terrible message to that team. Um, that I would just start over, you know, just punt this season to start over next year. But there's a lot of talent at Houston. There has been since they got good under Kevin Sumlin. That was years ago. Um, so they're always going to have speed. They're always going to have athletes. Their defense doesn't look very good at all. So I, I think that's a that's probably a really really good matchup for BYU. With the Pac-12 not playing yet, as far as me personally, normally I'm traveling with the Utes and I'm busy on Saturdays Mm -hmm. and watching Pac-12 football, but my Saturdays have been open big time, so I've had an opportunity to watch some other teams probably a little bit more than I do at this point in the season, and I only have one word for Clemson, and that is simply, wow. Yeah, yeah. I I, I tweeted something like that Saturday. It's like, you know, there's they're they're just the best team. They may get beat at some point, but they've got everything. Uh, Trevor Lawrence at the top of his game. Defenders. Travis Etienne very quietly is going to become the ACC career leading rusher on Saturday or the next time they play. I haven't even checked. Um, and they've got recruiting. They've got the best the bet the number one recruit in the country plays behind Trevor Lawrence, DJ Ugalele from the West Coast in Southern California. So they got everything. Um, you know, they're pencil them into the playoffs. If they lose the game, if they if they don't win the ACC championship, that team should be in the playoff. Um, and they've got it at the height of their at the height of their powers right now. So it's tremendous. Dennis Dodd, National College Football Writer for CBSSports.com, joining us. You say they're the best team. They're certainly the best team in the ACC. For all of us who watched Alabama destroy Georgia, do you think they're better than Bama? I absolutely do. Um, they're more now. Look, in a one-game situation, you know it's going to go with the way it's going to go. But if you just look at the two teams, Clemson's loaded offense, defense, special teams. Right now, Alabama is that quarterback and those three receivers because the defense that was so much in question last year and was the worst for Nick Saban since his first year in 2007. It's proved to be susceptible. I, you know, I, I just think it's a different standard now. Uh, defensively for teams everywhere. Uh, it used to be, hey, the, the leading team in the country gave up 10 points a game. Now, if you give up 24, you're, a really, you're an elite defensive team. And that's basically what they did against Georgia. They, they adjusted at halftime. They shut down um, Stetson Bennett and made plays themselves. And, they, and they, they intercepted him three times and the defense came through. But Clemson's a better team. 
Um, you know, but but I don't think it matters. We've entered this age very quickly where if you can outscore somebody, you can win a national championship. It happened last year with LSU. They had the third worst defense of a national champion in history. That goes back to 1936, the beginning of the wire service bowl. They gave up almost 22 points a game. And I think you saw it at the end of the year. They were just, you know, that, that was one of the biggest, best offensive machines ever in college football. And it really didn't matter what the other team did because they were so elite. So, yeah, I think, I think Clemson's better. I, I might even, you know, venture to say they're head and shoulders above everybody else right now. So uh, last week, I think it was probably maybe the week before, the Pac-12 came out with its uh, media poll, and uh, it is what it is, as they say. Uh, do you have any objections with it? Uh, refresh me, because I, I probably missed that one. Or, uh, Oregon in the north. Yeah, Oregon and SC. Uh, I think they had ASU yeah. second, Utah third, and so yeah, forth. Yeah, no. No, I mean, that's, that's what I would have picked. Um Look, Oregon, I, I feel for Mario Cristobal, he's had five opt-outs. Yeah. And, and pretty significant guys. Penny Sewell, uh, one of those guys in the defensive secondary. I mean, really start, obviously starting guys. And, you know, can, can they win the North in the, in the Pac-12 without those guys? I think they can. But I think it really uh, cuts into their playoff chances, which the Big 12, I'm sorry, the Pac-12 is going to have a problem with starting so late and trying to get seven games in the fewest of any conference at that point, of any Power 5 conference. Uh, and then USC, I just talked to Keaton Slovis this morning. He, he has those concerns, too, that I just mentioned, you know, playing seven games without being interrupted by COVID. But I, I, I'd I like USC since last year when they got things settled down. And I know they had a bad, bad bowl game. That was a bad bowl game. But they seem to be settled down now. The recruiting's better. Um, this is going to be for for better or worse, a mulligan year for Clay Helton. They're not going to fire him this year. I don't think you can when you only play seven games. So, no, I, I didn't have a problem with it. Has the Big 12 opened up a spot for somebody, whether it's a 7-0 Pac-12 team, if someone gets to 7-0, or for a runner-up in another league? Do you buy Oklahoma State going undefeated? One loss, no. Iowa State. One loss, K-State. They have terrible losses. They lost to Sunbelt teams at home. Yeah, no, the... Uh, the Big 12 has provided an opening for now because their two best franchises are two and two, Texas and Oklahoma. And usually you get a favorite to come out of that Red River game, and obviously that was the worst possible result for the Big 12 that Oklahoma would win. And so you're counting on an Oklahoma State who never follows through, uh, even when they've started like this in the past. Uh, and Iowa State that, you know, I love Matt Campbell, but I don't see him going from – Seven and six, and a twenty-five and twenty-four career coach to a to a Big Twelve championship. Hey, I might be wrong. Um, you know, Kansas State's right in there uh, at three and zero as well. I think that's a great, great story with Chris Klein and three and one and three and zero in the league. But I, I, I just don't see it. In fact, K State's playing a true freshman at quarterback now because of injury. So yeah, that may have provided a, a slot for what you mentioned: a second team from another league or a Pac-12 spot. You're right. Getting back to Slovis, I think he's the best pure passer in the Pac-12. You doing a piece on him? You know what? I was asking him about the letter that the USC players right. wrote, yeah. which to me inexplicably got this league going when to the point that it, if it wasn't written, the Pac-12 may not have played. I guess really? they would have and followed the Big Ten. 
but it amazes me that a letter from players basically got Governor Newsom of California and Larry Scott to meet in person. I mean, that boggles my mind because it came, I think, three weeks after the bid, the game-changing announcement that the, the, the Pac-12 is going to test David. And then it was crickets. Yeah. And then it was a letter, and then they got on the field. I mean, that's a, it shows the power of the student-athlete. So how much do you think the power of the student-athlete is going to lead to some of the demands? The whole Players United thing kind of faded away, but there's, you know, it's just smoke. You can't prove anything. But three of the four leagues that shut it down and then restarted were facing the Players United, and that kind of went away after they shut down. Yeah, no, I, I on the player, on the We Are United thing specifically, I didn't give that much credence because, okay, we want to play. No kidding you want to play. The parents want to play, but guess what? In in a worldwide pandemic, I'm sorry, you don't get you don't get much of a say. You've got to listen to the officials. You've got to listen to science. And frankly, these schools are scared um, a liability concerns unbelievably. Do they have those? So yeah, I think that's a given that players wanted to play. Why would you think they wouldn't want to play? Except for those who opted out for very good reasons. That being said. Uh, this is going to get a lot hairier and a lot more complicated with NIL because it's coming. There's no doubt now. There's legislation that's been developed for the January NCAA convention. And you're literally, I think, and I said this for a while, literally going to have coaches and AD sitting across the table from marketing agents asking the question, why doesn't my guy get more playing time because of the social media following? And, and, that, and this is what they've bought into. This is what the NCAA has left for us by keeping their head in the sand all these years, and, I, and I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm in support of NIL. I think it's a long time coming, and these kids should get this opportunity. But look now what's coming. In the middle of COVID, in the middle of We Are United, and unprecedented student empowerment, these players are going to have even more control, and I, it's going to be fascinating to see what that looks like. So I got a theory, Dennis, that I want to run by you. A place like Salt Lake, you know it. We go nuts on college football. We don't have the NFL, and we got the yeah. Jazz, and we just go berserk with BYU, Utah, Utah State, right? I've had Pac-12 people tell me, Pac-12 administrators, we love having Utah in the conference because they get so much run here locally. And one of the things that I think has impacted both BYU and Utah is that a lot of studs leave the state to go to Oregon. You already mentioned Sewell. Well, he went to high school down there in St. George. It's in the state. So my thought is with this NLI thing, where they can get money, as you say, or NIL, whatever it's called, that it could help a team like Utah because particularly you grew up here. We cover high school football. They broadcast high school football every week, multiple games on the local television. And so if you're a local kid, you could start building your brand literally at 15. And if you stay local and go to Utah, BYU, whatever it might be, that that brand gets bigger. So financially, it might be in your benefit to stay local rather go to Oregon or Stanford or SC or what have you because you'll have started your brand literally from the time you were 15 years old. So financially, it might be in your best interest, and it could help the locals keep kids within state. You buying that theory? It can, but it's going to be regulated. So whatever they get coming out of high school or whatever they're told they can get, it's going to be regulated in some way. There's going to be a fair market value. In other words, you know, to to the point, you know, USC won't be able to quote-unquote 
steal a kid from Utah because they can offer more. It's kind of like, um, you know, uh, cost of attendance. USC is going to get the kid to the USC. And that's what I have said is the ultimate upshot of NIL. Alabama is still going to get the best players. Toledo's not, and that's not going to change the pecking order, the, the DNA, the genetics of college football. Uh, you look at a kid like Spencer Rattler at Oklahoma, the quarterback. If he was allowed to get NIL money this year, and I've already written about it, he could earn, because of his following, $838,000 a year. I don't have a problem with that. You know, he's very carefully crafted his, his social following. Okay. Now, does that mean, you know, I, I think he's still going to Oklahoma uh as opposed to, let's say, Utah, because of that. Because he's been recruited and he, he can earn that money in a vacuum that somebody's not earning, you know, offering him more at Utah. Does that make sense? Because I, I think it's, you know, I, I, I think they're going to get more money, but I think it's going to be regulated enough where the boosters and recruiting can't overpay. That will still be under the table, don't get me wrong. Dennis... We appreciate you coming on and giving us a little bit of time and talking a little college football this morning, talking about the uh, the Pac-12 and BYU and uh, NIL money. Thanks for coming on. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Dennis Dodd. You can read him at CBSSports.com. They're national college football writer. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Uh, 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 uh. Dun, dun. <laughs> we heard you humming coming back there, PK. Okay. It's time for your feedback. Everything you think about this show. People are still arguing about the uh, the question from the last show. So you got to think BYU is for real at this point, right? Define for real. They haven't played anyone. Decent G five teams. Wow, that's great. <laughs> It's just amazing how much BYU generates emotion. Uh, we got one here from <laughs> from uh, Scott. The worst uh, on the Cowboys, the worst defense through six games since the 1970 merger. No team has given up more points in the first six games of the year than this Cowboy team. Scott says if they have trust the size of the grain of a mustard seed, they can move mountains. Oh, like it. I like it yeah. a lot, man. I thought that was faith, though, not trust. Well, we were talking about trust when he sent this in at eight forty six this morning. We were talking right. off the uh, quote, so I know I got faith, it. trust. It's close enough. I mean, uh, give is it, it ballpark? Yeah, it's ballpark. I'm 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 giving him full credit. No okay. half credit. Maybe I'm an easy grader, but okay. Well, yeah, I'm I'm very happy with the mountains that I have over in Sandy, so I don't need Mount Olympus to go south. So I'm okay <laughs> staying where it is. Uh, and then there's uh, the the uh, breaking sports story. Tua Tagovailoa has been named the Dolphins' starting quarterback, replacing Ryan Fitzpatrick for the three and three Dolphins. That's a shocker. Didn't see that coming. <laughs> didn't didn't draft him to sit him over there for a couple of years. No. Well, we'll see. It'll be interesting to see how he does because I think Herbert, even though they haven't won a lot of games for the Chargers, has looked great. Well, they've not won a lot of games. They're, I think they're one and one and five right now. But I still, yeah. I think for what you want in a quarterback going forward, uh, if I'm uh, the management of the Chargers, I'm excited about this young kid. But you know, you want to give these young guys confidence. Why not start Tungle Vilo against the Jets? The Jets, yeah, seems like it's a week, this week. It's a week late. They played the Jets last week, and he oh, got okay. in at the yeah, end of right. the that, game. That, that's right. That's you know, he's two of two for nine uh, yards. Be, I mean, I think that's. Uh, I, I think that's. 
you got to be better than that. You got to be more mentally tough than that. You can't pick your spots in this league. You're just well, I know, but if it's just going to be, well, I get that. You know, I don't want to turn everything upside down because it's the Jets. But if you were just going to start him one week later, anyway, start him a week earlier and let him play the Jets. Yeah, I mean, he could have gotten hurt. Yeah. Who knows? All right, we are out of time. There's a story about Phil Collins' uh, ex-wife has seized, uh, if you want to go to Twitter, has seized, has armed guards at his uh, mansion and has seized it. And people are currently... feel it in the air tonight. That's exactly it. People are tweeting Phil Collins' lyrics left and right. There must be some misunderstanding. She's no easy lover. He could feel it coming in the air tonight. It's against all odds. DJ and PK, we are out of time. Hanson Scott here next. See ya.